You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I am your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 112. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be meeting Thomas O'Callaghan, an author whose work has been uh, translated in for publication in Germany, Slovakia, Indonesia, the Czech Republic, China, and Italy. He's an internationally acclaimed author and a member of the uh, Mystery Writers of America and the International Writers Association. Thomas O'Callaghan is a native of New York City and a graduate of Richmond College. He currently resides with his wife near the Atlantic Ocean in Bell Harbor, New York. His debut novel, Bone Thief, introduced NYPD Homicide Commander Lieutenant John W. Driscoll. The third book in that series, No One Will Hear You Scream, was released by Wild Blue Press on June 16, 2020. So we'll talk to Thomas about his work and a whole lot more. So stay tuned for the interview coming right up. As a reminder, please rate and review this uh, podcast wherever it is that you're listening to this. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. It helps me with uh, visibility and getting the word out on this uh, podcast. So I would appreciate it. And for uh, show notes and more information and to access uh, 100 plus uh, interviews that I've done so far on this podcast, uh, please visit the uh, website at thrillerauthors.com. Here's my interview with uh, Thomas O'Callaghan. Uh, hi, everybody. This is Alan with Meet the Thriller Author. And on the phone, I have uh, Thomas O'Callaghan. So I'm happy to have him on the podcast today to talk about his uh, career and his books. Uh, how are you doing this morning, Thomas? I'm doing well, sir. Thank you. Thank you for calling. Yeah, you know, I was uh, I was checking your website, you know, doing a little research before the interview, and I, I saw you had an essay about your journey. So we would definitely want to want to talk about that. And I thought it was really cool, too, that you were inspired with uh, by Helter Skelter. That was a book one of the first books that I read that my dad had when I was a kid and that really got me interested in true crime and crime fiction. So I thought that was a cool connection we have. But but can you tell the listeners about your background and, and about that crazy journey to getting published? Yeah, I will, Alan. Thank you. I, um, I had never written um, much other than essays in college, and I never thought of, uh, of being a writer. But the uh, insurance company I was working for opted for a new way of, uh, of paying uh, their their sales agents. I was a sales agent for an insurance company for for 22 years, and uh, I was doing well. But um, the option was for me to uh, become a franchise, and I decided I didn't want to do that. So they gave me sort of a golden parachute, and I was left with a lot of time on my hands. And um, good friends suggested um, I I pick up a hobby. And after uh, taking my 35 millimeter camera out and snapping some shots around Prospect Park in Brooklyn, where I lived, um, and then spending a little bit of time down at HB Studios uh, to reconnect with uh, an acting career that I had I had fiddled with, if you will, back in college days, um, I turned to, uh, to writing. I had read a few books, uh, mostly in the mystery genre, and uh, as you pointed out, I was inspired um, by um, Helter Skelter, uh, I found the the vivid imagery in there, and and just the the pace of the book and the details, um, as pointed out in the book, so engaging that as they as the adage says, I, I I picked it up and I couldn't put it down. And although I read that back in wow 1978, I I picked up the pen 20 years later, um, and inspired by that book. And inspired by the writings of uh, Ed McBain and Michael Connolly and Jeffrey Deaver and Dean Koontz and Stephen King, I began a um, 
I began a, a journey of writing. Um, I never thought it would take off, but eventually it did. I'm glad it did. Yeah, so better late than never, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it, it, it proves it proves that there's life after uh, it, the business industry, and um, I'm enjoying it. So, can you tell us about your about your series, uh, about your latest book? Uh, you have three books out in the series, correct? Correct. Yes, uh, I do. Uh, they feature a homicide commander, a fictional homicide commander by the name of John W. Driscoll. He is um, he's a fiction of my imagination, but he comes to life on the pages of three books. The first one being Bone Thief, which was published some time ago in 2006 and republished um, again in uh, 2020 by Wild Blue Press. Bone Thief um, is the story of a serial killer who, as the title depicts, uh, is a is a fan of bones. He's got this. Uh, He's got this thing in him that um, drives him to pursue uh, women and um, devoid them of their bones. Um, it's brutal, but it, um, it flows well. Um, I wouldn't exactly call it horror. It sort of skirts the horror genre, but I, I keep it in a thriller mode as it's, uh, it's basically feasible, um, ghastly, but feasible. Um, after putting the pen down on that book, I picked up... Um, the pen again, and I began writing uh, the second in this series uh, called um, The Screaming Room, which features two teen um, serial killers who have a passion. And um, since they were uh, brutalized as children, they're ter- taking their vengeance out on, um, on individuals uh, across New York City. The twist in that one is that although they're fraternal twins, um, they have a, a matching DNA because uh, the young girl um, is uh, she um, was born with what is called the Turner syndrome. And after doing much research, I discovered that that a twin born with the Turner syndrome will have the same DNA as uh, his or her partner. So that throws a, throws a twist in it for the de- for the detective and the team. And the third book, um, No One Will Hear Your Screams, which was released, as you pointed out, in May, features a diabolical killer. And um, since it's a thriller and not a mystery, the reader is introduced to him and his method of murder right away. He's embalming his victims live. Gruesome, but but feasible, as, <laughs> as, opposed, to, uh, as opposed to a horror novel where... Uh, they go over the edge. What I like to try to do is is write, bring the reader right to the edge. And instead of tossing them off into into a spiral of horror, I just show them what could happen. And I, I, I keep it as a thriller as opposed to horror. And so far, um, the, 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 the books have been well received. Yeah, I love I, I, those, those are my types of the book, the dark, uh, <laughs> the dark, gritty uh Serial thriller type books, uh, yeah, like yeah. The, the, I think the, the fact that uh, it's more plausible makes it a little more frightening than a horror, than a straight up horror. <laughs> this is true, yeah. A friend of mine, um, a friend of mine, gave me some kudos, and he said, he said Tom um, writes um, uh, almost horror, but his his villains are people that that you would see on the street and not suspect, and then turn around and. They're there, so that's what I like to do, um, and it's it's something I enjoy and something fans enjoy. So, 
it's a win-win. And so, what's your what's your writing process like then? You when, you when you first get an idea that you might that's interesting to you, you start doing some research before you sit down and start writing it, or how how does what's your process like? The process is uh, the first thing I do is I select a method of murder, and um, once I've decided on a unique method of murder, I then decide well what type of villain would. Uh, would actually do such a thing. And I select the villain. I, I sort of, the way I do it, I, I, I select uh, an actor, um, whether it be an actor from the past or a current day actor, who would portray such a villain. And in my head, with this, this actor sort of being my reference i then create this character and and begin the story of of his assault uh, on new york city they're all set in new york city and after uh, that begins i'll introduce um homicide commander john w driscoll and his team and then the race is on again as i pointed out before in the thriller everyone knows the reader knows in any case from the start who the killer is and, and what he or she is doing. Um, and it's just a matter of time to see if um, and if and how he's going to be caught. And, and uh, when I when I think of other characters in the book, I also think of actors who, who would portray them. When I began to write about John W. Driscoll, I had the actor Brian Dennehy in mind. He would make, I thought he would have made the perfect John Driscoll. In fact, I, I met him after a a show on Broadway once, and I, I proposed that to him, and he smiled, and he said, well, get in touch with my people, and we'll see, you know, but it never came to be, and that's how that works, for me, in any case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 Brian Annie was one of my favorite uh, actors as well, but yeah, that's the same thing with me, I uh, I always have a, a, an actor in my mind when I'm writing it, and I think it helps, <laughs> it helps the process along a little bit. <laughs> so do you, uh, do, do you do like, do you have like big outlines, or do you just sort of have like the idea, and then you just start to write it, or do you have like the whole thing outlined like uh, James Patterson does? I, you know what, I stay away from outlines because I find them restricting. Um, James Patterson, I take, I, I tip my hat to, um, he's, he's the master of, of, of writing and keeping, um, keeping his, his covers on the, on the, uh, on the list of bestsellers. I mean, it, it amazes me how many books he's written and how many books he's, he continues to write. I understand he writes and he, he writes his, uh, first drafts in pencil. That's what I'm told. I don't know if it's true, but it's sort of fascinating to think about how others write. And uh, yeah, he's an outline guy. Um, I've spoken to many writers. I find that most are not, um, for, what, for whatever reason. But as I said, I, I find it restricting. I, I know when um, when a um, when my editor asks for a synopsis of the next book, it sort of <laughs> drives me up a wall because I'll, I'll 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 send in the synopsis and then I feel I'm restricted by it. But after a while, I'm able to convince the editor that we're going to sway a little bit from uh, or stray a little bit from uh, what I had proposed. Uh, so the short answer is I'm not a I'm not an outline kind of guy. I kind of I, I start uh, with uh, with one particular murder and um, I go from there and, and thoughts fill my head. Um, I'm a writer who um, is has the book inside his head. Uh, 24-7. Sometimes I'll dream of, of some of the scenes. Um, and it's always going on because for me, um, 
there are instances in life that just occur that will sort of um, hit a chord with me, and I say, "Wow, I could I could use that 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 in the book," or it could be a, a scent, it could be uh, it could be the just the way someone's walking, um, it could be the the way someone speaks. Um, I remember one time I was so fascinated um, uh, with the, the sound of, of, of spoken French. And there was a scene in um, Bone Thief where I introduced um, John Driscoll in a dream. Mm. Uh, uh, not in a dream, actually. It was in a phone call he received in the middle of a night which woke him. And it was a wrong number from someone calling from Paris. But he got into a conversation with this woman with a French accent. And... I recall being in Manhattan. I, 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 I lived about 20 miles from Manhattan in a beach community. Um, and I was traveling into Manhattan, and I was walking up Fifth Avenue in a crowd in the middle of the day. And you walk from traffic light to traffic light as on the sidewalk, and you sort of stop and as the group stops. And next to me were these two women speaking in French. And I was so fascinated by the conversation. I had no idea what they were saying, but just the flow, just the the sound in Manhattan, it was it was beautiful. I actually walked four blocks beyond my destination, not realizing, of course, that I had only because I was so entranced by the conversation, which I didn't understand, but I just enjoyed the flow. So it's, it's sort of sort of uh, um, things like that that sort of stimulate. My writing, I can recall one time um, I was suffering from writer's block um, when I was writing Bone Thief, and I couldn't shake it. I, I, it was about 10 days, and I just I couldn't write anything. And I took a walk on the boardwalk. I, um, I lived close enough to the beach that we have a six-mile boardwalk, and I decided I was going to walk it. It was, it was an autumnal day, and I was just walking at a slow pace. And this woman in front of me is is doing a fast walk, and she's got a dog with her. And for some reason, I I focused on the the sway of her ponytail as she was walking, and and as my eyes kind of glued into that ponytail, my pace picked up. I wasn't I wasn't pursuing her. I just didn't want to lose the vision because it was stimulating something inside my head. And after I, maybe three minutes, um, she continued her, her, slow, her slow run. I slowed down my pace. I walked home and I wrote a scene based on a, um, a walk on a boardwalk in, a, in a, a, a terrible, terrible crime that occurred under the boardwalk a little bit later. But that was the stimulus that, that broke the writer's block um, for me. Yeah, that's how it works. And do you ever like to carry like a pen and paper or recorders just in, so you don't miss that uh, rushing back home and missing it? <laughs> Years ago, I had a, a little a little recorder in my pocket that I would take out and I would uh, speak into and record so I wouldn't miss it. And there's been there have been times I can remember one time um, uh, having a cocktail at a bar with my wife and um, it was many years ago. And down the end of the bar uh, was this woman and uh, her date, I would assume. And they were being kind of cute. And she she took the cherry out of her Manhattan and she dangled it. <laughs> she dangled it over his, his lips and then dabbed it in. And it was just a 
it was a flirtatious scene, if you will, that just caught my eye. And I said, wow. And I asked the bartender for a piece of paper and I grabbed a pen and I wrote it down. And eventually I was able to put that scene into into one of the scenes in I think it was in the screaming room, the second book. Um, so, yes, I do. I, I, I do have something that will uh, allow me to capture the moment. Now, what I do is I'll take out my iPhone and I will um, I'll dictate an email to myself. And in it, I will spell out the scene. And sometimes it'll include dialogue. So I will then um, send that email to my um, to my laptop at home. And when I come home, I open the laptop and I cut and paste the email into the into the narrative of the manuscript. So it works very well. And do you find, do you find yourself do you do you try to write every day? Is it try to get into the habit of writing every day? I do. I write every day, including Sundays. Um, I had the privilege of sitting down. Um, and enjoying a beer with John Lescois one time, a Canadian thriller writer um, who is the president of the uh, current president, I believe, of the uh, International Thriller Writers Association. Hell of a nice guy. I mean, we're shooting the breeze about writing, writing style and what we what we like to do and what we don't like to do. And I was uh, I was talking to him about um, uh, writing and uh, having a deadline. And he said, Tom, the key to um, not being stressed over a deadline is to be sure to write every day, because if you write every day and produce at least one page a day in a year, you'll have 365 pages, which is pretty close to what what they're looking for in terms of a novel, which is about 400 pages. So that was his advice. Write every day and you'll have a book a year. And he was so right. And that's what I do. I follow that. And what do you use to to, to write? Uh, do you use a, like a, just a Word doc, or? Yeah, it's a it's a simple uh, Word document on a on a laptop, um, and I peck away on that. I'll uh, uh, perhaps I'll put out sometimes four or five pages a day. I'll go over. I spend the day working on what I've written until I get it to maybe fourth or fifth draft. Um, I found over the years that writers write, rewriters uh, get published. <laughs> so, yeah, it's important to get out, you know, in in raw form uh, what you have inside your head, and 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 pay no attention to punctuation or or even spelling or, or any sort of uh, uh, grammar. Just get it out, get it out. You know, sort of like write drunk, if you will. And then go in and edit that, but edit it sober and 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 correct all the the, the grammatical errors and and put in the punctuation and get the flow going. And so I write every day, um, and I go from first draft to maybe fourth draft as I write it. And have you found now with all the, the craziness in the world with the pandemic, has that uh, affected or changed anything in your process? Yeah. You know, you know, it, it, it has to some degree. Um, I, I haven't introduced it has to some degree in that I'm, a, I'm aware of it, but I wouldn't say it's it's been in any of the narrative just yet. Um, I, I don't I don't know when this is going to end. I, I don't know when this will be um, 
every writer's um, manta uh, that, that he or she will put in there. Um, and what I'm writing now, um, which is the fourth in the Driscoll series, uh, which will actually be my fifth book, um, it involves um, a. It, 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 the title is Pen Pals, but it's it's um, it's not what most people will think uh, when they hear the title. Uh, you know, a pen pal that you might have had as a child. Uh, this is a story about a um, a uh, an individual who who had a tough upbringing, um, and he finds himself enamored with. Um, female inmates who post their profiles on various websites, some of them uh, sounding like um, 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 gals behind the bar, uh, behind bars. Uh, these are women who have a short uh, uh, amount of time left on their, on their stay in jail, and they're looking to come out and meet someone. It's sort of a, um, a meet and greet online. And, um, He's enamored by this way of meeting women who then will become his victims because he's, he's got a thing about um, an, an, a happening in his life many years ago that, that involved the incarceration of his mother. So it's, um, will there be any social distancing in that? <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe. Um, but right now, uh, <laughs> I'm only about four chapters into it. I haven't introduced any social distancing. I might. But keep in mind, or I do in any case, that um, the type of uh, uh, heinous killers that I'm writing about, um, they, they work in the shadows. So um, there's not too, too many instances where he or she would be out and about in a in a crowd where they you know social distancing would come in um he distances himself from his um his prey um until he's ready to strike um so i guess that's a little bit of social distancing <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny that you mentioned that too because just yesterday we had a friend who after a hard day of work uh, likes to uh, relax by watching kind of like uh you know reality tv and uh, mm. she was into a love after lockup <laughs> and same thing go. the inmates inmates are writing pen pals and then after they get out there of jail they meet their pen pal <laughs> there you go it's it, it's it's um it's out there i mean it's uh, i i came across it i don't know someone may have pointed it out to me but it's like the, the, that's a thing and i said wow what a, what a great theme for a book so that's when i started writing <laughs> Do you ever find like a, 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 we talked about the books that influence you? Do you ever see like pop culture or films or television influence your writing as well? Uh, yeah, so there are many TV shows that influence my writing. Um, I would say CSI, um, uh, any of the CSIs um, mm -hmm. um, generate thought. And um, why can't I think? I'm I'm running a uh, Criminal Minds. That's the that's mm -hmm. the one that that probably influences my writing the most. Um, <laughs> Oddly enough, when I come up with a method of murder, um, I I go back into the uh, annals of all of the criminal mind stories that have been told. Um, it's it's now off the air, uh, just to make sure that it hasn't been done before. Because <laughs> you you know, as a writer, you want to come out with something unique. 
you don't want someone to say, ah, you know, they, they did that on Criminal Minds or they, they did that years ago in such and such a, a movie. So, um, yeah, the, the, the whole uh, behavioral science um, and that um, the study of what, you know, drives a killer to do what he or she does is fascinating. And um, it, it, yeah, and the way they portray it in Criminal Minds is right on the money. So I'm influenced by that. Um, oh, um, I mean, look at uh, Thomas Harris when he wrote Silence of the Lambs. Um, he based it on um, the uh, the study of, of, of the uh, criminal behavior through the voice of uh, of Hannibal Lecter. I mean, you know, you, you ask mm, you ask a group of ten people who the who the murderer was in uh, in Silence of the Lambs. Three people will probably tell you Hannibal Lecter when in fact. <laughs> When in fact uh, Hannibal Lecter was incarcerated, and he he was giving the details um, to uh, Clarice uh, from the FBI about this uh, this killer um, that they had uh, named Buffalo Buffalo Bill, I think, and uh, his name was actually James Gum, odd name, his name. Um, so uh, not many people will will know the name. And some won't even remember that he was the actual uh, guy. You know who played the part? You remember who played the part? Yes, Ted, Ted, of James Gummy, yeah, Ted Levine. Yeah. I, yeah, that's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. So yeah. 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 He, he played that part. He's, he's now known for his portrayal of a uh, New York City uh, police, policeman <laughs> in um, the, the series The Alienist. I don't know if you caught that. Uh, oh no, I have, I've heard it, good things about it. Oh, it's fascinating. It's set in uh, in 1890 New York City, and of mm -hmm. course, it's the um, it's based on uh, um, the Alienist um, by Caleb Carr. I think the name is the title, mm -hmm. the uh, the so, author. Yeah. And the set is what amazes me. It 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 brings back 1890 uh, New York City, and it really it's incredible graphically and I, I said to my wife I said you know we got to find out where they shoot this and, and go and it turns out they shoot it in Budapest so oh really yeah, <laughs> yeah. but they do such a wonderful job if yeah. you're a fan of if you're a fan of uh, Ted Levine you, you, you really want to see him in this one um, he also played um, Lieutenant Stottlemyre on uh, the Monk series yes that's the one yeah. I remember yeah. and I could never get the Jamie Gum out of my mind but yes <laughs> Him gone. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so, and New York City plays a big part in your in your books, uh, yeah. kind of like uh, uh, Michael Connelly in Los Angeles. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Is that just from you growing up there? You yeah. love the city and know it well. This is true. Uh, it, writers uh, write what they know. Um, so, since I'm very familiar with New York City, um, I, I sort of uh, feel comfortable writing here in New York City. If I if I have a scene that I'm creating. At a particular museum, it's very simple for me to to visit the museum and get the feel, and perhaps sit down on a bench there and write it as I sit there, uh, rather than uh, write a scene in uh, Oklahoma City, which I've never visited. Um, and you know, I'd, I'd have to go to uh, I'd go to have, have to go to YouTube to get a feel for it. Writing in New York City is easy for me. So, can you tell us the about the the, the story of uh, on your latest book? Uh, no one will hear hear your screams. 
Yes, it introduces a uh, individual by the name of um, Tilden, um, and he he is a um, mortician by trade, and he has been mistreated. Um, we we find out early on in the book, he was mistreated as a child um, by his mother and his mother's lover to such a point that he was. Yeah, it just. It just defined who he was um, in a very, very introspective um, way where he just, he was, he was shell-shocked. I mean, he was just, he was, his life was ruined as a child. And he grows up uh, with a distorted view of, of women. And um, he, he finds himself attracted to women, women of the night. And when one of these prostitutes um, comes back and, and sort of makes him relive the torture that he went through as a child, it drives him over the edge and he, and he, starts, uh, he starts his killing spree. And since he is, um, he is well-versed in, the, in the, uh, the art, if you will, of, of embalming, um, that's how he decides um, uh, to kill his his victims. Um, he's doing so for two purposes: one, uh, to cleanse them of their sins and in, in his warped way of thinking, and two, to uh, erase them from the face of the earth. Uh, the fact that they're dying, well, that's just uh, that's, that doesn't really come into play for him. He just wants them gone, and he wants them cleansed. And of course, he's he's psychotic, but that's that's who he is, and that's the that's the theme uh, throughout the book. And we introduce uh, John W. Driscoll and his team of uh, Margaret Alegante and uh, Cedric Tomlinson. Um, each one has their own baggage. Um, Driscoll had uh, we find out in, in Bone Thief in book one. Um, that he lost his uh, his his 14-year-old daughter to a drunk driver in, in, a, in, a, in an accident, which also uh, threw his wife of, of many years into a irreversible coma, which he never recovered from. So he's got a lot of baggage. And uh, Cedric Tomlinson, is, uh, his, his favorite thing to do at night is to grab a bottle and get drunk. So he's battling... Battling the battling booze throughout the three books, and Margaret Alagante's got a past as well. So everyone in the book um, is sort of painted with a big brush, and um, they have their um, they have their their individual characteristics that make them unique, and they then meet on this stage, which is the, uh, the narrative of the book, and it plays out. And um, I, I think it works pretty well. My readers like it. And I've got fans of Driscoll, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that, that's the most important part. The readers are, are, yeah. are, liking, are liking the book. So. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and this is a series, but each story is a standalone uh, story, right? And within the Correct. series, yeah. yeah each, it, it could, each one could be read could be uh, read as a standalone. Um, many people do. Um, and then they'll go back and they say, wow, I, you know, I didn't know there was something before this. Um, but if you were to read, if you wanted to get 
the introduction of John Driscoll from the start, um, you'd pick up Bone Thief and then you'd follow with the, with the screaming room and, and then you'd go on to um, No One Will Hear Your Screams um, just to get the flow. And you're hard at work, uh, you said earlier, you're hard at work on the next one. Is that coming out next year? Um, I got a feeling it will probably be out next year. Yeah, yeah the, the way it's going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right now the working title is Pen Pals. Mm -hmm. um, that may not be um, the released uh, title, but um, that's the theme. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it won't stray too far from that. Yeah. All right, uh, Thomas. Well, um, before I let you go, where can uh, our listeners find you? Um, I'm assuming your website is probably the best uh, place to find you. Yeah, I've got a website which lists. Uh, pretty much of uh, my career and and it also will give the links to all of my books uh, thomasocallahan.com or if you look for uh, any one of the books on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles uh, any of the indie books um, you can find it uh, the three books are Bone Thief The Screaming Room and um, No One Will Hear Your Screams um, so uh, I'm out there you, it, I'd be easy to find if a reader is looking to to pick up uh, a good autumnal read right now. I'd say a summer read, but we're we're racing towards autumn. Yeah, that's crazy, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also recommend uh, for the listeners to go check if they, when they go check out your website, uh, your essay on the road to publication. It's pretty uh, pretty good read. Uh, and, and st sticking to it. That's uh, some great advice for for aspiring writers. I know we have someone uh, that listen to this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was a 12-year effort to get uh, my first book, Night Kills, on the shelves, and Night Kills became Bone Thief. I wrote that on a Halloween day. <laughs> I remember writing it, and, and every 10 minutes or so, I had to stop to answer the doorbell because some kids were trick-or-treating. <laughs> but I remember that. I, I distinctly remember that, and coming back and picking up. And, and, and picking up where I left off. But, yeah, I wrote that. It's a 12-year effort. How to get your book published, and I think it's something to do with um, uh, write, uh, let, it, let it bake for 12 years. It was a 12-year effort. So if someone is looking to get published, um, the key is tenacity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I think that's the best advice. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah. All right, Thomas. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I enjoyed talking to you and learning about your books and your writing process. Thank you for having me on, Alan. It was a pleasure. All the best to you. Oh, thank you. You too. Thanks for listening to the Meet the Thriller Author podcast. Be sure to visit thrillerauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover great thrilling reads. If you enjoy the podcast, I'd love for you to subscribe, uh, rate, and give a review uh, to it, wherever it is that you're listening to this uh, podcast, be it uh, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, wherever it is that you're uh, listening to this right now, I would appreciate it. And uh, please do check out my own thriller novels over at my website at alanpeterson.com. Until next time.